This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Redemption. This morning's scripture reading will be from Romans, second chapter, verses 2 through 10. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume that the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard, impotent heart, you are stored up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each, each one, according to his works, to those who are patience and well-doing, well seek for the glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they will be, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, first the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor for peace and everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Thank you, Jay. So I was doing some um, calculating this week in terms of like this thing, sermon prepping thing that I do. And uh, notice that I um, kind of calculated over the past almost 30 years, so 20, maybe 28 years here coming up, that I've been a pastor. And so how many lessons have I actually written? How many Bible lessons, uh, Sunday school, youth group, sermons, all of that? And it's over 2,000 now at this point, which makes me feel really old. And then the calculation about like, okay, how many hours is spent in prep then? And over 30,000 hours in some way, shape, or form spent prepping for um, the teaching of the Word of God. Now, I say all that to say this. Um, though every sermon and every lesson is special and important and I'm passionate about because I hope they're all based on the Word of God, there are some that just feel especially important and especially weighty. And this text, this sermon, this preparation this week was just one of those weeks, you know, where what the text was teaching, what I feel God's people need to hear, things that I'm passionate about, all kind of bringing together what I believe is a very important message. And when you look at this text and you consider some of the words that are here, I mean, look back at some of these things where it says, he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patient and well-doing see glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteous, there will be wrath and fury, immortality, glory, honor, Wrath, fury. These are big, weighty words and big, weighty concepts that God is calling you to consider and think about this morning. It's no exaggeration to say your eternal life might be at stake. 
And so, yeah, it, it feels important. And here's what I want to do. I, I want to I get to this big idea, but today it's really a key question. And here's the key question that I really want you to consider this morning. And it's a simple one, though it's not easy to answer. Here's the key question. What am I doing with my life? I mean, really? So we're in Romans. Uh, I'm going to do a little recap here to kind of get us caught up to where we are to let you see the weight of all of this. If you take a look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul says this in Romans 1.16. Go ahead and turn back there if you will. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous live by faith. So Paul is saying there is a gospel that I am not ashamed about. Then he goes on to say really for the rest of chapter 1, the pagans need the gospel. Then in chapter 2, he's saying, hey, the righteous person, the person who's religious and thinks he's righteous, they need the gospel. And it kind of drives to this thing, this passion about what are you really actually doing with your life? Because it's easy just to live day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade after decade, and live without much thought about glory and honor and immortality or wrath and fury. But how you live your life reveals something. And so the question is, what am I really doing with my life? Now, to help you with this, I'm really going to break the sermon down into two key parts. And part number one is going to be what I need to know, what I need to know. What is this text teaching? How do I understand it? How do I get my head around the theology of all this? What's important here? What do I need to know? And then the second part of the sermon is going to be, okay, then as a result of that, then what do I need to do? How do I actually live and apply this out in my life? So let's start with that first. Let's start with the question, what do I need to know? What do I need to know? And, and, and let's jump back a little bit into verse number five to see something really important. So here's Romans 2, verse number five. Now watch this. Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. Here it is now, on the day of wrath. Underline those words, if you would, on the day of wrath. So one thing you need to know is that there is a coming day that the Bible calls the day of wrath. Now, if, when you get into things yet to come, you get into eschatology is the theological term, really the study of last things. When you get into that debate, this is where people really get divided. And even in good reformed theological circles, there's a lot of debate about this day and what this day is and all of that. And, and uh, here's what I will say. There's only a very small handful of people who believe that this day is 
has already come. Uh, they're called preterists. They basically believe that all the um, prophecy has been fulfilled already. But when you get outside of that, everybody else, depending on where you are, so people who believe there's a millennium coming, uh, people who believe that we will be raptured before the millennium, premillennialists, those who believe we'll be raptured post-millennialists, all millennialists, those who believe there is no millennium, all the rest of them really agree there is coming a day. So let me just say this. There is massive agreement on this fact. There is a day coming. So I want to say to you this morning, one of the things you need to know, there is coming a day of wrath where God is going to test mankind. And according to this text, he is going to test their works. That means, listen now, let's get right down to you. There is coming a day when your works are going to be put to the test. What you do matters. How you live matters. And your works one day, my works, are gonna be put to the test. It's a vital test because it has dire consequences. We're not talking about a grade on a transcript. What's at stake is eternal life. As the text put it, puts it, those who fail the test, there's going to be wrath and fury for eternity. And those who pass the test, there will be praise and honor and peace for all eternity. So yeah, this couldn't be more important. So it's vital that we understand. So let's take a moment and really understand what this text is teaching. Because I want you, as your pastor, as someone who loves you, I want you to be ready for that day. So here's some things you need to know. First of all, what this text does not Teach what this text does not teach. Because you read this and, 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 and look at this again. Verse number six. He will render to each one according to his, what is that word, church? He will render to each one according to his, according to his works. Okay, good. I wasn't sure if you're still awake or not. I don't know. Sometimes I gotta, I mean, you slept a whole extra hour last night. Come on, wake up. Next week, we're handing out espresso shots at the door. We're gonna do it right. Did you fire it up? No, but, 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 but isn't, that, isn't that a little bit confusing? And I'm saying that one day God's gonna test your works. And when you read this text, if you read it a certain way, you, could, you can come away thinking, man, my works saved me then, right? Because it's saying that if my works are good, then I get eternal life. And if my works are bad, then I get eternal death. So is this text really teaching me that I'm saved by my works? And I wanna say to you, Absolutely not. It cannot, cannot, cannot teach that. Well, how do I know for sure it cannot teach that? Well, let me just stay in the book of Romans to show you it's impossible that this verse, these verses are saying that you're saved by your works. Because in Romans 1, it's really, really clear. Here's Romans 1, and we read this already, but I want to go back to it. This is Romans 1, 16 through 17, which says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who, what church? Believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
Okay, so what is it that saves us? Faith saves you. Your works? No, faith. In fact, we'll get to this in Romans chapter 3, but Romans 3.28 makes it extremely clear. Here's Romans 3.28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Crystal clear there. Our works do not save us. It is our faith that saves us. So it cannot, cannot be teaching that. And you can keep going in Romans to see in Romans 4, in Romans 5, in Romans 8. This is clear, 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 clear. Faith saves, not works. So if that's what it doesn't teach, then pastor, what does the text teach? Let's talk about that. What this text does teach then. A, a little summary of that going in. If this is real in you, your life is gonna show it. If this is real, your life is gonna show it. Now, check this out. This is from another epistle. This is from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two. Uh, and again, really, really clear. One of the first verses I memorized, here's Ephesians two, eight and nine. For by grace you have been saved, there it is again, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Crystal clear. But don't stop there. Let's go to verse number 10, because verse number 10 then says this. The very next verse says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What does it say here, church? For good works. Yeah, God saved us for a reason. That reason was so that we would show out our good works. No, good works don't save us, but we are saved for good works. Hey, God cares about the way you live. God cares about the things you do. Because if this is real in you, if you're really a believer, man, your life is gonna show that. Your works are gonna reveal what you actually believe. And there's coming a day when all that is going to be put to the test. Here's what Paul said to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work anyone has built on the foundation survives, it will receive a reward. One day, all the things you do, all the works you do, are going to be put in the fire before the Lord. And what is done for him is going to come out like gold, silver, precious stone. And what's done for us is going to burn away. The test will prove it. How are you at tests? I was one of those guys that um, I liked test time. 
because I was really, really bad at the homework part. You know, the actual like reading the books and all of that. And uh, I tended to procrastinate for too long and then try to cram reading and all that. But I had a good memory. So when it came to tests, I always did really well on tests. It irritated the, you know, Courtney to no end because Courtney always did all the reading, always did all the homework. And then she struggled remembering all the things for the test. And I always had a good memory. So, uh, and, and that's how it worked. But here's, here's the deal about a good test. You have bad tests and you have good tests. The bad tests are ones that are trying to trip you up and make you memorize a bunch of things that don't really matter. But the good tests are there to see, to prove, did you get it? Did you understand? So a good algebra test and an algebra class will put to the test, did you really understand the algebra that we taught you all along the way? And and, and the point of the test that's to come is to say, did you really get the gospel? Really? And I'm concerned about that. As a pastor in 2023, I'm concerned about that. Because there is a bunch of Christianese and phrases and thoughts going around today that sound good, but are devoid of the true gospel. I heard a podcast this week of this gal, and she was um, interviewing somebody, and it's a Christian podcast. I do Christian like this, because here's why. She was saying, yeah, when I was growing up, I was taught that I was a horrible sinner, and that I was vile, and I was depraved, and that that I couldn't just stand before God on my own. I was taught that I needed Jesus to come and to stand between God and me and that, that he, he needed to see me through the lens of what Jesus did for me. I used to believe that. And I was like, that's right, <laughs> 100% right. And she goes, well, but now I understand that I'm beautiful on my own and I don't need Jesus to stand between And that is an absolute denial of the gospel. And if you deny the gospel to that level, you're revealing, your works reveal, you never really believed it. James said this in James 2. James can feel a bit confusing about this until you put it into this lens and this context because he says it really clearly here. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and read this last part with me if you would please. And I will show you my faith by my works. In a church that emphasizes grace so much, the mistake we can make is failing to say this grace should change the way you live. And so I'm saying to you this morning, it matters how you live. It matters what you do. And there is coming a day when all of that is gonna be put to the fire. So what do you need to know? There is coming a day of wrath when my works will be tested to prove out my salvation. There is coming a day of wrath when my works will be tested to prove out my salvation. This is why Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Take a look at Revelation where he talks about the churches. Now, often he is saying, he said to, to uh, the church, you, you, I, you, you judge well, you have a lot of good things, but I have this against you. You've lost your first love. And I'm just wondering if this has been real to you, is your life really proving that out? So here's what I want you to do by way of application. It's actually gonna be, we're gonna come back to this later. 
but I, I don't want you just to sit in a church service and listen to me talk and to hear these things, but not actually like evaluate your life. If there's any sermon that you need to stop and evaluate what's actually happening in your life, it's this sermon. So on the notes provided for you or some piece of paper that you have or on your smart device, if you wanna do it that way, don't care how, but would you just quickly make a list? And what I want you to do is list out maybe three or four works that you did this week. What are some things that I did this past week? Look back at your past week. And I want you to say, what did I do? What were my works? Now, as you think about that, it, good chance there's a good chance that you did a lot of just normal life things. And I think it's okay to write those things down. I went to work. I created that report. I dropped the kids off at gymnastics or softball or basketball or volleyball or karate or kung fu or jiu-jitsu or, I mean, am I right? Kids are busy today. Can I get a witness? So what, I mean, what all the things that you did, just kind of make a little list of some of the things you actually did this week. What does this text say to me? What does it teach me? It says there's coming a day of wrath. Clear? If it's clear, say amen. amen. If you need espresso, say amen. amen. <laughs> so that brings us to this very important second point then. Point number one, what do I need to know now? Okay, based on that, the question needs to be always, how will the manner of my life respond to what God's word has to say? So what do I need to do? Yes, what do we need to know? But the Bible isn't just about knowledge. It's about obedience. Knowing God's word and church, doing God's word. The win is not just to know. The win is actually to do. So what do I need to do as a result of this coming judgment? Well, here's some good news for you. The text will tell us what it looks like to live a life that's really been transformed by the gospel. If you've really believed and you really know Jesus, the text shows you this is the kind of life. These are the things that will be coming in your life that you'll see as a result. And if you don't, here are some things that you're going to see. So the text tells us what's on the test to come. It's a good study guide. Not all the study guides my professors gave me were good, right? Some of the study guides were not good at all. They're very misleading. One German professor I had, he, he taught theology, but he was from Germany. He would always say, well, the study guide is merely a guide. And then he would write tests with nothing on the study guide on the tests. So you had to memorize all of his notes and then you'd be okay. But, uh, but this, our text gives us exactly what we need to know. So I wanna show this to you from the text. Let's dig in here a little bit. Uh, what do I need to know? Let's look at what's going on here. So you have what's, what happens here is verse number six, the statement is made. Then seven and eight are kind of one pass through this comparison. So you have two kind of passes through the same comparison. And the comparison is those who walk in goodness and those who walk in evil. So the good life and the evil life. And then verses nine and 10, he goes back through and does it and he just flips them. He does evil first and then good. So take a look at this. For those who by patience and well-doing see glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. That's the good life. 
But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. That's the bad or evil life. He stays on the evil theme in the second pass through. In verse number nine, he says, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good for, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So you get this comparison of here's the good and here's the evil. So what I want to do is kind of walk through and sum that up for you to put it in a package that I think can really help you actually live this this, this week. And so here's what we're going to start out with. I want you to do this first. What I need to do, here's step number one, and this is what it is. I need to fire up my desire. I need to fire up my desire. In all of that, verse number seven, there is one key verb, one key action. It's the only verb in verse number seven, but it really is, I think, the key center of all of this. And if you get this right, Everything else will fall into place. So what is that thing? Verse number seven, see if you can find, it's easy to pass over, see if you can find this key verb. Uh, To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So uh, did you catch it? What's that key word, that key verb? Seek, good job, good Bible study. Seek. The good seek after God. Those who are truly saved, they have good works for a reason because they seek after God. That word seek is um, very strong. In the original language, the Greek language, uh, here is a, a, the BDAG lexicon explaining that word or defining that word for us. It says this, to devote serious effort to realize, meaning to achieve, right? So devote serious effort to realize one's desire or objective, to strive for, to aim at, to try to obtain, to desire, to wish for, a desire to, uh, a desire to possess something is the idea. So it is a strong passion trying to get that thing. You ever had anything in your life that you just really, really, really wanted, and so you went after it to get that thing? Passionately driven for something that you just went after it until everything lined up and you got it. This text is saying there is something that the real believers who are really won by the gospel, they seek something. John Piper said this. There are many people who aren't seeking anything spiritual. They amble when they walk. They coast when they ride. And they float when they swim. Therefore, they go wherever the current takes them. 
Gamble. Coast. Float. I think that describes a great many Christians. Roger gets up every day and he goes to work. His family needs what he can provide through his work, so he gets up every morning and he goes to his job. He doesn't love it. It's fine. It doesn't fulfill him the way it once did. After work, he comes home and helps the wife get the kids where they need to get, gymnastics, basketball, dance, drama, and whatever else they need to get to. And after that, his wife and him will watch a show. They'll hit the sack, go to bed, and he gets up the next day and does it all over again. Friday night comes, and they'll watch a family movie together that night, or maybe his wife will go on a date. Saturday morning is devoted to yard work and catching up on the honey-do list. Sunday comes around, he goes to church, sits and listens, feels guilty that he's not the Christian he needs to be, goes home, eats lunch, takes a nap, gets up on Monday, does it all over again, week after week, month after month, amble, coast, float. There is something worth running after, Roger. There is something worth pursuing, striving for, driving for, swimming for, passionately trying to gain. And there's coming a day when that ambling and that coasting and that floating is going to be put to the test. And it's going to reveal, dude, what you really believe, what's really at your heart, what have you really done with Jesus. Because if you spend your life ambling and coasting and floating, maybe it was never real. Maybe you were never won by the gospel at all. And I have to, as your pastor, stand before you and say, let's consider this now before the day comes. It's easy to get lulled to sleep and lulled to complacency in the day in and the day out of life. It's easy to believe it's never going to happen this day of reckoning and this day of wrath, but it's coming because God's word says it is. And you've got to consider, what am I doing with my life? What am I really doing with my life? And the thing you should do is to seek and to run after and to pursue. But what? What should we seek? What should we run after? What should we pursue? Excellent question. The text answers it. Let's look at this together. This is now verse number seven again. Uh, to those who by patience and well-doing, by the way, we're gonna unpack that and we're gonna unpack the obey the truth, obey unrighteousness, all that's coming next week as we consider the following portion of scripture. We'll come back to this, but let me say this. For those who by well, uh, patient well-doing seek now, there are three words coming after the word seek. What are we to seek after? What are those three words? Well, it's glory and it's honor and it's immortality. So let's unpack each of these, all right? So what does it mean to seek after glory? Well, there's no question. This is talking about God's glory. 
And I just spent two weeks ago a whole sermon devoted to let's talk about the glory of God. Let's talk about it biblically. Let's talk about what it means. Let's get into all of that. So I'm not going to rehash a bunch of that. But I'll say in talking to people after that sermon, I think there was a bit of confusion that I just want to clear up. Because it's not exact. It's in some ways, it's easy to understand. In some ways, it's not. And so people were saying, uh, is it okay that I watch Netflix? <laughs> Is it okay that I read some magazines? Like, what's, what? Is it okay that I do this, listen to some podcasts? Like, am I supposed to do everything, like, just around my Bible? What does it really mean to, like, live for God's glory in that way? Well, um, here's what I mean. All right, so I, we talked about how you see God's glory in creation. So is that what God's glory means, that we just see his glory and that we notice his glory and we thank him for his glory when we see it? Is that what it means? Yes. Not only that, yes. <laughs> so this, that's part of it. Does God's glory mean that we try to shine out his glory? Like we're part of shining his glory. And yes, that's part of it. Does God's glory mean that we tell others about how great Jesus is and how great our God is? And I spend a lot of time in that sermon saying, yeah, that, that's part of God's glory too. So all those things biblically you can say are part of God's glory. So I think it's, it's easier just to kind of sum it up this way. Being driven by God's glory means that we are consumed by God. Being driven by God's glory simply means that we are just consumed by God. So here's the deal. Fire up my desire, yes, but also fix my direction. What am I running after? What am I running after? And I'm saying let's run after God's glory, which means to be consumed by the glory of God. And we, we, listen, we're a people that can easily be consumed by other things. I know, I can really easily get consumed by my hobby because I really, really enjoy my hobby. So here's a, a war table I built a little while ago and this is a World War II theme. And right now, this is an old one. Right now, I'm working on a table that's gonna reenact the Battle of Bloody Gulch, which is uh, World War II post-D-Day, a few days after D-Day. And so, and then I'm studying it and I'm reading it and I'm, I'm building tanks right now for the battle. It's fun, shut up. And uh, I'm putting together and, 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 you know, it's like, I love talking about it. So whenever chance I get, I'm like, oh, let me tell you about this battle and what happened at this battle and then the impact on this battle for the rest of the war. And, and, and take a look at the little guy I painted. This is supposed to be, uh, you know, Lieutenant Winters, and this is what he, you know, I can get consumed by it. And so when you bump me, I'm like, hey, can I tell you about my hobby? You know, I mean, that's how, that's how consumed we can be. And, and you can judge me about that, but, but for some of you, it's politics. Let's talk about the world and the government and what's going on. And for some of you, it's baking. And for some of you, it's gardening. And for some of you, it's, 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 and we get consumed and, and it's an interesting question, right? When you bump me what comes out, I, um, you know, I'm gonna take this water here and I'm gonna bump the water and water's gonna come out. You know, you can say, well, why is water coming out of that bottle? Because you bumped it. That's why it's coming out. And no, no, no. Because if this was a Pepsi bottle and I bumped it, would water come out? Pepsi would come out. Why? Because it's filled with something. So as you think about your life, what you're really living for, what comes out when you get bumped? Is it God? 
seek God's glory. And seeking God's glory simply means we are consumed with our God. Seeking God's glory simply means we are consumed with our God. Next word. So we see the word glory there. Uh, here's also what we seek. Seek for glory and then honor. Now, this is really an interesting study. When I got into this text and trying to understand what it really means to be consumed or to be seeking honor, because it's, it's clear that it's actually uh, our honor. That we're to be seeking our own honor. And you can say, well, that sounds really the opposite of glory then, because glory is all about God. He's saying that honor is all about us. Well, okay, it's wrong to seek honor from men, but it is a good and right passion to seek honor from God. To say it a little different, it's wrong to seek the praise of men, but I'm telling you, it's not at all wrong to desire the praise of God. Well, is God going to praise us? That seems like a weird thing to say. God praises us? Hopefully you'll say, you better prove that Biblically, pastor, go ahead and tell me that. All right, thank you for the challenge. I'll do it. I actually am prepared to do that, believe it or not. So here's, a, here's Romans 2, just a few verses later, by the way. Romans 2, verse number 29, uh, which says this, uh, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. We're going to talk all about this in the coming up. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from, so his praise is from God. Here's uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will, bring, who will both bring to light the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And each, one, each man's praise will come to him from God, I say, I can't wait until I get to heaven. And, and we all, we've heard this. I can't wait to get to heaven to hear my God say, hopefully, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's right and good to seek the praise of God. And come on, don't we love it when our daddies are proud of us? Don't we love it when our fathers are proud of us? Um, my dad to this day, to this day, it's a long time since then, he'll say to me, he's from Kentucky, so this is why I'm using the accent, but he'll say, boy, when you got up there and sang them phantom songs, I played phantom in the Phantom of the Opera. He said, boy, when you got up there and you sang them phantom songs, I just couldn't believe it. You did such a good job, son. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. My boy up there singing those songs. Thanks, dad. Feels good. How much better, how much better to be before God and to hear, well done, well done. You ran well, you lived well. That day is coming when your works are gonna be put to the test and what you do. Now, how long will God's glory last? Forever? How long will the honor then last? If it comes from God to us in heaven, it's gonna last? Forever, those are immortal things. So you have glory, honor, immortality. Those things last forever. We're seeking things, not earthly things, but heavenly things, not temporal things, but eternal things. And let me once again share a quote from John Piper. Seek it. 
want it, pursue it, crave it, love it, desire it more than you desire any earthly thing. That is the point. Don't be a listless, apathetic, sluggish person when it comes to spiritual things. And if you are, if you are like that, then intensify your prayers to God that he would ignite your heart with a precious, uh, uh, the preciousness of his glory, honor, and immortality. Roger, what are you living for, dude? You get up, you go to work, you come home, you take the kids places, you watch Netflix, you get up the next day, you do it all over again. What are you actually living for? Do you know that Roger can get up in the morning and go to work, but do it for God's glory. Do it consumed by his God. God, I want to honor you today. God, I want to love you today. You have given your son to die on the cross for my sin and my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glory thought, my sin that in part but the whole has been nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise God. Praise God, my soul. So today is your day, God. Today I'm living for you. I'm going to take the kids to their activities and I'm going to tell them how much I love you, how great you are, and, and, and encourage them to live for this incredible and amazing God. And before I my head hits the pillow tonight, I'm going to grab my wife's hands and pray and ask God to make our marriage honor him and I'm going to live my life every day consumed by God loving God because of what he's done for me it's not that the activities change because here's the reality it's who you seek to honor in the activities in fact take a look at this go to verse number eight check this out it's not that the evil don't seek the evil seek but watch this now but for those who are, do you see it, church? For those who are self-seeking. Roger, don't live for your own comfort. Don't live for your own pleasure. Don't go day in, day out in the lull of complacency, living for your own happiness. Roger, do those things, that list you made earlier of what you did this past week, I'm not asking you to change what you did. I'm asking you to change who you do it for. And what's consuming you in the moment? And may it be God. What am I doing with my life? Live it for God. Seek God. And if you're saying, man, I don't do that like I need to, what you need to do then is cry out to God for his help. And listen, pause and ask yourself, this is so important now, pause and ask yourself, is this real? I've never really lived like that. I've never really been all that passionate about God in my life. then what is it you really believe? Father, we need help with this, so we come to you.
Lord, would you reveal to us, even in this moment, what really is the consuming passion of our life? I wanna believe everyone in this room is genuinely saved. I wanna believe that, but I don't know. There may be even some here that have really great works. It seems that they are really fired up, but the motive behind those works could be self-seeking and not glory-seeking. So would you do the work, Holy Spirit, lay it on hearts this morning. And I pray, Father, that we would all consider, what am I doing with my life, really? And then, Father, help us to understand and to grow and to be passionate about your glory, your honor, and the things that are going to live forever. We'll give you the praise for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Redemption, you are loved.